Hey guys, Tyson Popplestone here from RelaxRunning.com. Welcome back to another episode of the Relax Running Podcast. Super excited. Today uh, we've got another great athlete on the show for you, one of the best 5K men going around at the moment, especially here in Australia. He's uh, His name is Sam McEntee. He's a 13-17 man over 5K. He is a 2016 Rio Olympian. He's a Doha World Championship athlete. He's a super talent on the world of athletics. So We've been trying to line this interview, uh, this interview, this chat up for a couple of weeks, a couple of months, actually. I think it might have been. It went back a little while. I lost track of time, but uh, it was great to finally sit down with him. Really enjoyed this guy. We had a we had a really good chat about so many different aspects of, of being a distance runner. And uh, it's, it's, uh, what I love about this show, it's an excuse just to pick the brains of so many athletes doing the same kind of thing. But each athlete has a different way that they go about it. So uh, there's some bonus content that I did with Sam as well. For those of you who have been listening to the podcast the last few weeks, you would know that the Relax Running membership has a heap of features on there. But one of the big ones is an elite video library. So at the end of each podcast, um, I'll sit down and ask member questions to the athlete that's on the show. So this week I sat down, got the camera out and recorded some uh, some bonus material with Sam. So you can access that. It's only five bucks a month at the moment because it's so new. Uh, so if you want to check that out, jump on relaxrunning.com and click on membership sign up there. We're getting a good little community actually. There's a forum on there uh, where we talk all things running. Uh, there's a there's there's bonus audio, there's training plans if you want it, there's technique analysis, there's a heap of stuff on there. Just go. My favorite feature of it personally is the the video library. So hey, get on there, let us know what you think. Apart from that, uh, I'm going to get out of your way and introduce myself and Sam McEntee. Enjoy. Yeah, have, have you heard of the podcast uh, And Juna Deep Edition? No. So I reckon you might like it. I guess you'd call it housey kind of. Yeah, okay. So they have a they have a different DJ come in each week. Yeah. And I listen to, uh, listen to it sometimes when I'm just in the mood for whether I'm at the gym, yeah. going for a run, and I just I can't be bothered focusing on information. Exactly. That's why I do it on some of my runs. Yeah. No, it's good if you get yeah. Sometimes if you get a bit too much up there, you like end up you look <laughs> like starting like three forty five on the other run. So who do you who do you listen to when you uh, when you're out running? In case you're wondering, we're, we're up and at it. Yeah. Um, lately, I've been listening to just some um, a bit of Solomon lately. Uh, someone had him on the other day, and I was like, I'll give this a whirl. And then, I don't know, I just listen to anything on SoundCloud, follow a few mates, see what they've been listening to, um, and just go from there. Do you just have? A, do you just run with your iPhone in your in your pocket or something? Yeah, that's the biggest trouble is i got um, an iPhone now, and it's like getting a lot bigger than they used to back in the day. So I'm either trying to squeeze it in a pocket or... I just end up running with it in my hand most of the time, so it's not too bad. I, I don't really do it in the mornings. It's just on double runs when I run from home. So mornings, I don't really like running from home. Um, you should try and meet up with some people. And then other runs are like 30, 35 minutes or so, 30, 35, chuck on some music and sort of let it go by. Yeah, is that, I always wonder this. Like, uh, It's one of those questions that well, I just assume because I always listen to music as I'm running. I just assume other people do as well. But it's so nice to hear a bloke who's running the Olympics say that you just run along with your iPhone in your hand because I feel like such a hack sometimes running yeah. along. Going, mate, I look like a. I've got my Kmart, Kmart shorts on, my iPhone five in my hand. <laughs> but it's true. It's nice to to just have that little bit of rhythm. It's, it's something about music, especially for me, especially if I'm flat in terms of if I'm just tired and I can't be bothered getting through. You get a nice little bit of a rhythm going in that music, and it, it just makes those those longer runs just that little bit easier yeah it definitely does um yeah there's days where days where i'm just like i don't want to listen to anything i'd rather just go out and listen to my feet um hitting the ground and that and then there's other days where I might be listening to something and it's like a bit of a distraction or whatever and it's like oh, i can go and finish listening to this while i'm running for 30 35 minutes or whatever it is or an hour or longer and it's kind of like you get in that zone it's like i don't know it's almost like you're doing something but you're also switched off while doing it and it's I don't know, it's easy to find a rhythm sometimes in that sense and then other times I get halfway through a run I'm like I'm over this and just put him up put the headphones in the pocket and just keep running hold my iPhone looking like an idiot <laughs> it's funny I always remember Mottram he said to me because uh, I asked him the same question years ago I said mate like do you ever run with music he's like no there's something about just hearing my footsteps hit the ground and he said I used to like so he used to run in, in like long gear quite a lot long pants long jacket and he said there was something about like that sound of his jacket as his arms swing back it was almost yeah, understand it. Like, yeah, you listen to any any sort of spiritual teacher talk about that single pointed, single focused meditation, where there's just something to put your attention on 
to take you away from, you know, the pain or the discomfort or just the boredom that naturally happens with so many of the long runs and um, makes it so much easier. So it was, it was funny, like the more I listen to, I'm right into Buddhism at the moment, the more I listen to that, the more I'm like, ah, oh, I think I get why, why Mocham was such a big fan of that. Yeah, definitely. Um, I can't say I'm into Buddhism at the moment. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, definitely the meditation side of things. Um, doing a bit of that lately in the last oh, like, yeah? six to eight months. Um, it's probably been one of the biggest things I've changed sort of since we've been back. And um, yeah, definitely that, I guess, what I like to call the mindfulness of it all and just sort of being aware of your surroundings and sort of your, the way your body's feeling, like just the breath, breath going through your lungs and that, or like through your chest and feeling that. And um, I guess focusing on like something so small and like that's almost like a subconscious act um when you really focus in on it it's it's quite a, kind of a lot, a lot different than um you know talking or just being on a run with other people but at the same time it's good to have a balance of both i guess yeah what, what got you into the meditation um i was just going through some stuff and i was ended up starting speaking to someone um and then they sort of put me onto that and yeah it was really helpful um yeah I had some stuff going on outside of running um and sort of needed to figure that out mm-hmm. um yeah and this whole uh yeah, meditation was one of the steps to sort of go through that. Um, and I guess, yeah, it's been a bit of a staple for the last probably five or six months. Um, try to do it most days. Um, and, yes, yeah, there's days where I miss it or like I'm, you know, you can't find that five or ten minutes, but it's a bit of an excuse when you say you can't find five or ten minutes or something like that. But, yeah, I don't think I've ever done it and sort of walked away and been like that was a waste of time. Uh-huh. Like it's always, you always sort of get up feeling a lot better for it. Yeah, so what are you what are you using? Is it an app or are you on YouTube? Uh, I've got a few recordings actually by someone and it's just all pretty simple stuff. But, yeah, it started out pretty basic um, where you're just sort of focusing on your breathing in the body and the surroundings and just sort of switching off and sort of letting your head go uh, somewhere else. I mean, I'd used Headspace and a couple of those other apps in the past, um, but they're really sort of specific um, and sort of like a course almost where sometimes feel like a bit of a chore uh, going through and seeing, you know, this is day one, day two, day three, whereas I've got a couple now, one sort of like focusing on, you know, yourself and other people and like relationships and stuff and then another one that's just about shifting attention to the body. Um, and so, you know, different days I feel like listening to different things or focusing on different things. So sort of go from there and make my mind up. There's about five or six I listen to. So. It's interesting, man. Like uh, I do a little bit of work in schools and when I'm there, there's such a massive problem with, just, it's not even just in schools, like anxiety, uh, just a feeling of, of overwhelmed and, and, and things like depression and, uh, are so common yeah. um, for a variety of reasons. But one of the things that, that I find so interesting is, is like obesity is a massive problem as well. And I think when it comes to your physical body, so many of us understand that, okay, if you want to be fit, well, eat a good, a good diet with like a lot of natural foods, like a, a wide range of nutrients, um, exercise regularly. And it, it's, quite a, it's quite a standard, simple approach that you can actually, once you implement that, chances are your fitness is going to improve and, and, and just your general wellness and, and, and health is going to improve. And I think the thing with, with meditation or, or the thing with so many people is it's like we don't have a roadmap anymore for dealing with the mental struggles. No. So I think a lot of us sort of yeah, wander around a little bit mentally fat without any structure in place. And when I say I've been interested in Buddhism, like meditation is one thing they've obviously nailed for thousands of years. And just to hear, uh, I listened to, I know you're a Perth boy originally, I listened to the, a bloke from the Buddhist Society of WA and he's probably 65 and he just speaks with such simplicity but the way that he speaks you can tell that it's it's, it's sort of learnt through hard practice um, but I think the Headspace app as well it's like a gym membership for your mind it's such a it's such a good description like when you can just constantly implement that like a training program um, I've noticed in myself and, and a lot of people that I speak to it just seems to have massive benefits on your you know on your mind in that moment but also throughout the rest of your day yeah, it's such a simple thing too. And like, I guess you don't have to go anywhere. You can be in your bed, in your room, or anywhere, like sitting in a car. Um, and it's five or ten minutes. And I think you, at first, it's sort of you're a bit hesitant. You think, what's this going to do? Like, just I guess meditating for five or ten minutes. But then you almost feel like some physical differences afterwards. Whereas you sort of think, oh, I should go to the gym. I should go for a run. Um, that's going to make a difference to me. And like in the end, you know, you might feel better for it if you spend ten minutes, sort of just drifting off and thinking in your own thoughts and sort of uh, letting things happen as opposed to like going out for a 30-minute run. Um, yeah. And especially just being a runner too, it's like a lot of people say um, exercise is so good for you. And it is, and I totally agree, but you sort of sometimes hit those points and I know I have in the past where my my job or like what I'm trying to do is is exercise, like be really good at exercising or be a really good runner. And it's like we all have our own problems, but when things aren't going with running, it's like what am I supposed to do now that I've 
the problem sort of is run like that might have been some part of the problem and it's like i don't want to go for a run so how am i going to get a benefit of sort of switching off and just having something else so that's i guess where it came in for me especially that was good where you know for some people who might not run or exercise very often that 20 or 30 minutes is really good for them but for someone that's trying to run or is running 150 160 k's a week it's it's a bit different. It comes. It's easy to make it a chore. Yeah, man. It's really interesting. Like a few times in the podcast, I've just drawn the comparison to. It's like when I was a competitive runner. Totally understand where you're coming from. Um, then I got into comedy at the start of last year, and man, it's amazing how many crossovers there are between like a, an elite level runner yep. and people trying to make it in the in the comedy scene. Like there, dude. There's there's blokes out there doing ten comedy gigs a week, and they explain the struggle with stand up comedy similar to what you just explained. Yeah. Uh, the struggle with being an elite runner is when that's all you've got in your life and you're trying to make that work and you're getting up and just getting no laughs and bombing <laughs> session after session. Yeah. It can be a it can be a pretty painful process. Um but it's just it's been really interesting just to to see how uh I guess like even from a personal perspective, my running outlet has become my comedy. But after a couple of bad gigs, you're like, mate, I can I can see how you can get a little bit caught up on that. But I, I guess that wouldn't be such a problem for you at the moment because you hit some bloody nice form over the last couple of months we were saying before we started that it's sort of nice that we uh we when were we when did we start trying to get this podcast mid to late november i think yeah i got a message from you and i was up in falls creek at the time so i said i'll be back in a couple of weeks but you know then i'll have zatapak and christmas so we sort of ran into a few hurdles there then i was back in falls creek for a bit um in january before we came back and then it was kind of like oh, i've got a race a few uni things coming up so we just kept putting it off but then it was like oh something more to talk about in the next couple of weeks so just kept adding a few little things. Yeah, I was doing my best not to turn into that creepy bloke who just keeps knocking at your door going, mate, are we still going to do the podcast? <laughs> no, good. Until we ran into each other on that Sunday run, we didn't realise who each other dude, was. It, was. it was so awkward because actually as we started running, um, I was like, I'm pretty sure that's Sam. And I was like, crap, now I feel embarrassed because I've, I've sent him 100 text messages. Now I have to introduce myself and put a face to the name. So I'm glad I, I didn't scare you off and we've, we've finally been able to lock this one down. But um Mate, the last couple of months have been really nice. Like, what are the obviously you've just we'll we'll cover the the Vic Five K champs in a second. I want to talk to you about that because I actually I had a couple of messages from blokes who were pretty impressed with your efforts over the over the five K. But um, even to rewind the clock a little bit, what came first, Zadapec Ten or Steigen? Uh, Zadapec was first, yeah. So that was Z- the first big race sort of since I've been back. Um, we got back from Europe in like end of July, early August, and. Um, had a couple of low-key races, like did a mileless Club 3K and 10 relays, jumped in that. But, yeah, 10 relays was pretty rough. What did you get around in 10, in the 10 relays? I reckon 11, like 11.10 or 11.15. And so I was pretty far back um, given some of the some of the runs some of the guys had that day. So, But at the same time, there were some big was, performances that day. Yeah, right? I reckon there was maybe someone around, Geordie Williams might have ran like 10.45. Did he? Yeah, to be fair, I was in the um, running for SCAC and we are in like the – we were in the first section, so we started like two minutes behind the main group. So I was running solo for a lot of it, but yeah. um, hopefully get around the tan. Maybe next year the tan relays and be a bit fitter and give it a good shake. But that was the first thing I did, and then jumped in a three k. Um, Duncan McKinnon one night, and I was absolutely bucketing down. Got a win there, and I was sort of like, oh yeah, sort of remembering how to sort of race again because it had been sort of three or four months, and probably even longer since I actually wanted to show up to a race and sort of be there and really be into it. Um, and then, yeah, coming off falls, I had a good stint up there in November with Luke and a few others and uh, jumped my first 10K at Zatapak. Um, Australian record up front from Stewie and then Pat, and that was like a, that was a different race, but I just sort of dialed in and sat on um, a, few of the, uh, a few of the boys like Dave McNeil and Ben St. Lawrence who were both like low, or low to mid-2730, 2740 guys. Um, Benny was the ex-Australian record holder. Um, and then Jack Bruce. So there was a good little pack of us and a few others. And, yeah, the laps went by a lot faster than I thought they would and I guess I was in a bit of a good flow kind of just going along there's a lot of people cheering um keeping me distracted and yeah, it was a good race um probably the first yeah the first real 10k I've done on the track ever um ran a few 10k cross-country races in college and I don't think I've ever run one on the roads but I sort of enjoyed it it was like that pace where it was it wasn't super quick but it wasn't slow and you're sort of just floating along and I guess the hardest thing was knowing when I was supposed to start hurt like it was obviously getting uncomfortable in that but didn't know when I could make a move and sort of not block. Like, you know, in a 1500, you know, if you got four or 500 out, you've got, you know, you've got to time it pretty well. And it's like a pretty precise thing. Whereas I guess as the distance goes up, it's a bit more of an art than it is a science. Yeah. Um, and so I think I was at 8K and I was like, I don't feel, ter- I don't, I feel all right. Like I, I should make it to the finish line from here. 
Um, and then I sort of waited. I was a bit hesitant to make a move on some of the guys when they went for that sort of third place, third or fourth place. And then I sort of came home strong, but it was a good run. I was, I was really happy with it. Um, I sort of went into it hoping I could run under 28.30. And my coach Liz said, I think you can run 28.20. So I think 28.17 was my time. Um, and so it was, a good, it was a good run, but still reckon I can go a bit quicker if I get in the right race. But it's obviously pretty hard to find a good 10K um, these days on the track, especially unless you're sort of overseas and there's probably only one or two a year. So I'm not sure I'll get around to another one this year. I might if I'm um, right place, right time, but it's sort of not on the cards at the moment. Yeah. Mate, you got a sub-28 in you. I was standing about 80 metres away from – oh, probably 60 metres away from the finish line, and I remember seeing you run past, and I was thinking, holy crap. Like, you know when you can see someone and you can just – you can. Stewie was the same story. Like, I know he closed in 54 or something ridiculous, and – um, but I remember seeing you come past and you, had, you still had some spring in your step and it looked like you, you ran a race where it was it was a very smart race and to be able to finish in 2017 is a huge run. But the speed that you finished in, it wasn't like you were just hanging on. It looked like, you, you know, if, if you had to just held back for a couple more laps, you probably could have run 12K at that pace. It just uh, it, it sort of struck me, the bloke I was standing with, <clears throat> we call him the guru, the, uh, the co-host on this show sometimes, he... Um, like we were both impressed, but uh, yeah, you and you and Bruce were having a bit of a battle, weren't oh, you? Bruce, yeah, Dave McNeil was up. He led a lot of it for our pack, and then Bruce and Dave sort of took off. Benny and I sort of stayed behind Benny St. Lawrence for a bit longer than I probably should have, and then I reckon I got around him maybe three hundred to go, and was sort of trying to hunt down Dave, but Dave was trying to hunt Bruce. So <laughs> there was a bit of bit of um, a few big moves going on in that last two or three hundred. But yeah, like you said, that I sort of walked away thinking. You know, obviously I wasn't going to be able to keep running after running that last lap, but if we just sort of had kept hitting those 67, 68s, it felt like it definitely could have gone a bit longer. Like it wasn't sort of waiting for the finish line. It was more just sort of, you know, waiting and following the moves and sort of knowing where I was in the race. So it was definitely, it wouldn't say I felt lost in the race, but it was just, it's hard to have a race plan when you've never run that sort of distance before. Um, but it set me up well and I was, I guess I left me pretty hungry. I walked away thinking, oh, what would happen if I sort of went a bit earlier or sort of we went a bit faster, like we went out on a bit quicker pace, like that 28-minute pace kind of thing. So, yeah, it was an interesting one and I definitely learned a lot from it. But the biggest mm. thing I took away was, yeah, I'm fit. Like I'm, yeah. the base works worked and it's been a solid four months. And I, I knew going in I was pretty fit. I got sicker maybe two and a half, three weeks before up in falls. Yeah, about two weeks and I was three or four, like didn't run for two days and then um, was a bit iffy for a couple more and then had a, had a couple of good solid sessions while the rest of the time I was there, but I was sort of left thinking, you know, this last week or two, it didn't really matter. Like three and a half months before is what really counted um, and got yeah. me in that shape to run sort of 28, 17. So it was good to be in that position for the first time in a while. Like it's, it's been a while since I've sort of had a really consistent um, build up and sort of didn't find myself rushing to get ready or rushing to get in a good workout um, before a race, which I probably have done too much in the past um, sort of, even if I wasn't doing it, I was sort of worrying about it. Um, I think that's the biggest thing I've found lately is just I was talking to a message and a mate from the States uh, recently and I just said, he just said he hadn't had any really good workouts lately. And I said, no, nah, don't worry about it. It's the consistency that counts. Yeah. The super session is, um, it's the thing, that I don't think it's that important. It's, yeah, it's good for your like confidence and you walk away thinking um, I'm ready to go. But, you know, sometimes it's, that those mediocre sessions week in week out three times a week that's what you get, that's what gets you really fit especially when you sort of run in that 5k 10k distance um you know if i had a, a really good track session one off it, it doesn't matter like you need sort of six weeks eight weeks ten weeks of really solid consistent training um and that's what gets you fit to run those longer distances that's a really good point man i actually i ran for the first time today in about two weeks a week and a half because I, I just had a head cold randomly out of nowhere, and I thought, you know what, I'm not trying to be a hero. I'm just going to, you know, just give myself plenty of time to recover. And uh, it, it is so easy to get caught up in that mindset of, oh, I know, like the fitness that I'd built up over the last couple of months has just been wasted. But your attitude, it's so it's so true. Like the uh, the bank of miles and fitness that you store up isn't just lost completely in a in a week or a couple of weeks of not hitting a bad session. It's, a, it's such a common thing in the distance running world as well, isn't it, that um, like you can take so much confidence away from a, like that super session that you mentioned, but the truth is, if you have if you've done a super session, you haven't got months of work to back it up. It it doesn't really count for a, a whole heap, and you you get found out pretty quick. But you mentioned uh, before that it was a um, like you ran along with Benny St. Lawrence and Dave McNeil uh, for for quite a bit of that race. But I, I was going to ask you, um, was it was it difficult going into the race to know where it was that you wanted to place yourself? Because it was I was I was saying to I can't remember who I was talking to the other day, but it was the deepest 
Aussie race that I'd ever seen probably in my life, like over any distance. Just the, It was such a stacked field. And I think to, to look at PBs and to look at the history of the blokes who have run around 10K, obviously look at Stewie, look at Paddy. I wasn't – like you would look at uh, a bloke like Benny St. Dave Mack, but they hadn't really nailed a, a 10K for a couple of years, so I wasn't sure where they were at. Um, was it hard for you to decide where you were going to sit yourself? Like, Was there a temptation to go with – the pace of, of Stewie and Paddy Tiernan, or were you pretty content to just work your way into the race with the other boys? Um, yeah, I, I knew I wasn't going to go with Pat and Stewie. Like I'd heard from some of the guys that they were yeah, going out on 13.45 pace, mm. and especially being the first one, you know, maybe now I'd maybe try and go with it, but even still, I don't think um, going out 13.45 would be my cup of tea at the moment. Um, and then, so I knew I wasn't going to go with them. It was just sort of a question of, I didn't know who else, if anyone else was going to go with those guys, and I'd... I guess if, you know, Dave and Benny and someone like Jack Bruce had have all gone with those guys, then I probably would have got sucked along too because you sort of would have been left in that sort of no man's land or I might have been leading a group for 4 or 5K and I definitely didn't want to do that. So, yeah, um, yeah if everyone else had gone, I might have gone with. But, yeah, it was pretty easy. I mean, those races, especially the 10K, it's like you know who the good guys are and you know it was a great night. To mm. be fair, it was really good conditions and the paces were well. But um, it was just easy to get in a rhythm behind those guys. And I knew... You know, even though they had might not have put the runs on the board in the last year or two, but I mean, Dave's had some good runs, but he's coming back from an injury, and I mean, Benny's just a rock solid, just he's just a machine. He just keeps going. So um, I knew they'd at least be going out that first five six k on a pace that I'd be comfortable with. So it was pretty easy to get just get behind them and sort of tuck in. Yeah, uh, man, this is a, a little bit of a jump. I was just thinking. Then you mentioned Dave, and I know he spent a couple of years over in the college system. Were you were you in the states for a couple of years yourself? Yeah, yeah, I was there for um twenty eleven until mid twenty fifteen, so four and a half years. Oh, a good stint. Yeah, yeah, it was all all my college year the whole time at Villanova. Yeah, man, what was that? What was that like? It would have been interesting getting back into the Aussie running scene after I see a little bit on YouTube or Flow Track or a Let's Run about the the college scene. It just seems like a Seems like it'd be a wild experience. Yeah, it was good. Um, I mean, I grew up in Perth, so the running community is not as big as it is in somewhere like Melbourne or Sydney. So um, it was sort of, I'd reached, I guess I sort of became like a big fish in a small pond, but there was a lot more out there to be conquered, I guess, or to have a crack at. And college seemed like the best option for me. I don't think I was anywhere near good enough to sort of be up there in the senior ranks at 18 or 19. I know for a fact I wouldn't have been, but... um, so yeah, I got in touch with a few colleges and Villanova seemed like the best fit and I've had some Australians there in the past and there was another guy there at the time, Matt Gibney. Um, a few, oh yeah, I remember Matt Gibney. Um, so it was easy to get over there. It was, it was tough. First getting over there in January, it was middle of winter and it was covered in snow and I'd come from like 40 degrees. <laughs> so I always say if I was ever going to go home, it was going to be on the end of that first run. Um, I was nearly ready to pack it up because I couldn't move my jaw at the end of it. Um, but yeah, I love my experience over there. It was exactly probably what I needed. I was sort of a pretty raw, um, didn't have much experience in running or racing, just sort of was, I guess, a natural athlete growing up and played a lot of sports and running sort of picked it up when I was maybe 15 or 16 because I was winning some races at the inter school and that. Um, and then from there, I sort of made the choice to run and then college came up and sort of given up all the other sports. And yeah, I loved it. I had a fantastic coach in Marcus O'Sullivan who was three or four time Olympian himself. Um, and one of like Ireland's greatest distance runners, you know, he's run 101 sub four minute miles and he was a good, like a great athlete in his own right, but a good, really good coach and like just an even better person. Um, I really enjoyed my time there and learned so much from him and made some great friends. Um, yeah. And had some good results too. Yeah. Man. Yeah. So what were some of the, the standout things that you took away from, what was it, Marcus, did you say? Yeah, Marcus. Um He's a pretty, cons- I'd say he's more on the conservative side. Like you go in there and he knows he's got four, maybe five years with it, all these athletes coming in, which is it's sort of funny when you think about it like that. Like it's such an ingrained system. But, you know, if you tell someone, all right, you can coach this kid for four or four or five years and they're 18, they might be running 40 or 50K a week. So they might have been running 120. You don't know. Everyone's coming in at different levels. But, you know, you've got four to five years to work with these guys and develop them. And they might be done with running when they finish college. They might not want to run anymore. Or you might get someone that comes in that, he's a walk-on, he's not on a scholarship, but might end up running professionally at the end of the day. So it's a real mixed bag of um, the athletes that show up. And yeah, I'd say the, some of the biggest things I learned was just um, that model of consistency. Like, and with his training, especially, there's no shortcuts. Um, it's just, he'll never give you too, like doesn't like to give you too much in a session or, but he knows when sort of it's, it's time to pull the pin or push a little bit harder. And I just, yeah, I learned so much about um, racing for one and what I wanted to, how I wanted to approach races and stuff like that. And um, I certainly wasn't 
a complete athlete when I left and um, definitely struggled a bit towards the end of my time there and was sort of, I don't know, I wasn't really enjoying running as much as I had been in the past and that was maybe just the way I looked at it and I was sort of focusing a lot more on the results um, mm. but wasn't really focusing on like sort of the training and everything else in between and making sure that all those things were done properly. Um, but, I mean, I walk away from four and a half years at Villanova and it was, I mean, if I didn't go there, I wouldn't have been, I wouldn't be running past like 21 or 22, I don't think. Yeah, is that right? Yeah. I yeah what was that, just the freshness that it Yeah, it was just, um, it was just a different like lifestyle over there and everything. Like it's, you're almost like a professional athlete living on a college campus. Yeah. Um, everything's taken care of. You know, I was 20, 30 guys on the team. So you're running with five to five, six guys in a session every, every couple of days. And then, you know, you go on run, easy runs and that with 10 or 15 guys. So you're never sort of, I guess, lonely. It's a real social aspect of it all. And then coming from somewhere like Perth where, um, I mean, I still had a great training group in Perth, don't get me wrong. Who did you um, train with in Perth? A guy by the name of Gareth Elliott coached me. Okay. Um, and then we just had a few other guys. Um, ben Green, who's a coach there now. And yeah. he's got a few young kids coming over. And then another kid, sort of when I was finishing up, oh, Jordan Mackins and Jonas Aranda, who both went over, ended up going over college. I think it's a it's a real stepping stone for someone like Perth just because it's definitely getting better now and a lot stronger. Um, they've got some great athletes coming out, like Matt Ramson. He's from Perth and he's obviously dominating force, but he's yeah. also sort of made that move to Melbourne in a sense that he travels and spends a lot of time of the year during with, with MTC. So for someone that wanted to stay in Perth um, or would have been more inclined to stay in Perth and go to uni there, I just don't think I would have been able to balance, you know, being at university and, making that step from, you know, I think I was a 347, 348, 1500-meter runner um, before I went over there and I sort of left having run 336 <laughs> and 754 and uh, I haven't done much in the 5K but I'd won a couple of races. So Yeah. And what was the uh, – because I, I know I spent a few years in Perth. I was training with – do you know Margaret Saunders? Yeah. Yeah, yeah so yeah. Margaret Saunders used to used to coach me and uh, my hero for from about the age of, of 13 to – Probably like twelve to fifteen, maybe was Ray Boyd. Yeah, do you remember Ray Boyd? Yeah, yeah, I know the name. Like sure. I still, I still see. Yeah, <laughs> man. Like he was. Uh, he used to get coached by Mark Saunders as well for a little while at least. And um, yeah, he was the. I remember he was sort of like the running guru uh, around there at the time. But I, I know what you mean about it being quite a small community. So to step from there over to Villanova to be training with fifteen blokes on your easy run, how did you how did you cope with that? Because um, I know what what college blood's like, and there's a there's a little bit of confidence, a little bit of ego that um, it's probably not just college life. Actually, it's all through yeah. life. But uh, was was that a problem, or is that something that the Villanova culture had managed to sort of iron out a bit? Yeah, there's a really good culture there. I'd say Marcus and the, the co- other coaches that are there sort of know that um, and make sure that they treat everyone individually and like everyone's trying to get better. So you know that. But at the same time, it's it's pretty easy to get competitive. <laughs> For instance, when Geordie came over, he was probably... Oh, he was Villanova at the Yeah, and so it was Pat Tiernan. So it was like, um, you definitely get competitive with everyone. But at the same time, it was like, we'd all... a lot of re- There's a lot of relay running and distance running over there, like DMRs and 4 by 800 metres and stuff. So you don't get that, you know, someone like here or in like any of the major meets now. I guess they have board relays, but it's not the same kind of thing. But I guess they... And the cross-country season especially builds that real team camaraderie. So it definitely develops you as an athlete. And, especially, and, and more so as a person too. Like you can walk away from like a, a conference meet and I might have had a bad run or blown up but one of the guys might have won the race and it might be his first win or his first time winning a Big East title so you walk away and then you think oh I didn't have the best day but my teammates just had the best day of his running career so he's absolutely stoked so I'm going to be happy for him and fortunately for us we were able to win a few Big East titles and won some cross-country meets and stuff like that so it was, it was a real I guess the the team aspect is what makes takes away that ego or that um inner competitiveness with your teammates because that's what really what you are and I guess you see that a bit here with club running and that in the cross country scene but um, at the end of the day running professionally it's it's really hard to have that team environment that's something I definitely missed sort of once I left college I mean I still had a training group but we weren't really you know you're not in races you're not working together um, at the end of the day there's three spots on an Olympic team and there's probably might have been in some of the training groups I've been in there might have been three or four people who were gunning for the same spot um, so that's a challenge, but it's also it's not the end of the world, mm. um, and it's it's something you work on. I think as you get older, you sort of realise that you know it's it's good to be happy for your teammates and your friends and you know anyone that's sort of having success. Otherwise, yeah. you just end up bitter and upset about things that you shouldn't be um, and that you can't control. So you know it's good to focus on your successes and others too. It's so hard to do in the running scene, though, isn't it? Because it's such an individual sport that um, you see a bloke like 
just use Geordie for an example because he was a Villanova boy as well, start pumping some good times. You're like, mate, I'm so glad that you're running fast today, but I know next week when I line up, I, I really want to kick your ass. Yeah. Did you, uh, did, I think the thing I like about the, the blokes who go to college as well is, especially from Australia, like we're such a little bubble um, and, and running is a, a bubble sport in itself really, like it's such a niche that I think I committed so many years to it that it was my whole world. So when I got out of it and realised that there was a whole other world outside of running, it sort of blew my mind a little bit. Like it does in my head when you see a bloke, especially like on a, a local circuit, win a race and go around thinking they're, you know, the king of the world when, you know, they're just coming across as a bit of a wanker. But <laughs> to, to get across to the States and to see the depth that there was in college and the amount of blokes who are sort of, at least competitive with the times that you're running. Was that was that humbling or was it like a little bit of a... Yeah, it's, it's definitely humbling in the sense that you go over there and you think, oh, there's so many guys better than me. But <laughs> you sort of, I think, I know Marcus explained this once to me and he sort of said it was a shift from when he was at college running and now with the internet and everything you see and it's like there's so many more guys breaking four minutes or running these times each year than there might have been back in, back in his days. Obviously, he, those guys probably ran a bit faster than we did in college. Like mm. there was some really quick runs um i know the villanova record is still 335 by sydney marie back in i think the 80s um and he was a super like an what elite athlete. how old was he oh i probably been in his early 20s he's over oh. from south africa and yeah came over to america um and that was like a collegiate record until maybe a year or two ago um but just with that like availability of information and videos and it's like i might have you might race a kid two weeks ago and then you see a replay of him two weeks later breaking four minutes and you think Oh, I beat that guy last week. Now I think I can go do it. Yeah, and it's yeah. like it's that um, with the availability of you know watching races, being at meets with other people, and just the depth and seeing it. It's sort of yeah, it might scare some people a little bit, and it's certain you certainly have those times where you think, oh, everyone else is going so good. What's wrong with me? Or like I'm not racing as well. Or how am I going to beat this guy if he's already run three forty one and I've only run three forty four? But at the same time, I think the depth is the biggest draw card for someone in Australia that's trying to go over to the, or is thinking about going over to America because as much as I would love to have that depth in Australia, it's just not here. Yeah. Um, and for someone that's in that age range of 18 to 22, it's pretty hard to make an Olympic team or make a world champs team at that age unless you're you know, really early developed and have been working with some, um, some quality athletes in that period. And so, you know, college is a great, a great stepping stone and I think when I went there in 2011, there was a few Aussies and then I think in the last few years, there's so many more over there now. And it's, you know, me, we might have been, I when I was there and like me and Geordie ran 3.36 in the same race and he hadn't started the college yet, but he was coming over and that was like a decent, like a pretty big result for someone like us. But we were in, I, the best I ever finished was fourth at NCAAs indoors and, you know, now we've had multiple people win NCAA titles. Like the mm. two best distance runners in America last year were Morgan McDonald and Jess Hull. And it's like that's two Australians winning the 1,500 and 5K. Um, Morgan was undefeated in the cross-country season, stuff like that. And so, you know, I think it's it's interesting because on the world stage where we're still a bit behind America in the sense of like our top results, but, you know, we're sending some good kids over to America and they're dominating like the American athletes in the college system. So I think it's a reflection of um, what they're doing right over there. And so we need to be able to learn from that and bring it over here. And hopefully with like um, – the elite system over in Australia and like Athletics Australia and um, I guess the AAS and all that sort of stuff can learn from, you know, what the countries like the US and the UK are doing because I don't think there's any lack of talent in Australia. I think it's just more of a de- developmental thing um, and figuring out what's going to work to, you know, take someone from a pretty good runner who's run some good times and obviously has had some success and, he's, you know, you put him in a World Champs final and they're gunning for a medal. Mm. And I think we're, we're getting closer and I think there'll be a breakthrough soon. I mean, you've got someone like Stu McSwain who's he's a – Australian project like he's never never went to college or anything like that and it's taken time but um I think there's been a few that have sort of probably slipped through the cracks in the past yeah so what do you think would be some of the big takeaways from like the American system that Australia could adopt if they were keen to um I think some of the biggest things is just the hardest thing over here is is just the quality of races um and like one it's a funding thing there's lack of money and like it's not so much coming from the like Athletics Australian that it's just you know you go to track meet in America and might just be somewhere i've been races down in tennessee and it's just a night of people running miles and they want to get a couple of people under four minutes but there's like three or four grand on the line for for prize money uh-huh. and so 
when's the last time you saw three or four grand for a mile race in Australia? Probably yeah. like 10 or 20 years. Well, I think you were saying before we hit record that the big mile champs is on tonight and the winner of that takes home 500 bucks. Yeah. And which is something to get excited about in Melbourne as well. Yeah, that was enough. I was thinking about doing it for 500 bucks because <laughs> yeah. the last time I did it, there was no prize money for like one, two or three. I think it was just if you broke the record. Um, and so that changes a lot of the, the landscape, I think, um, of running is when – and not just when there's prize money in the line, but you come out to a lot of these, I've noticed that these mile races and stuff is, um, there's, there's always like, oh, is there going to be a pacemaker? And most races there isn't in the faster sessions. And that's one of the biggest things in from college especially is there's rarely a pacemaker in like 70% of the races. So you learn the craft of racing and whether that's at a conference meet where you run a mile heat in 420, it's like an absolute job, but you learn how to race and position yourself. And I think that's what, um, differentiate someone that's you know two athletes that are both at the same fitness level and talent is you know positioning in races and like you watch someone like Centrowitz who's rarely makes a mistake when he races. Mate, um, like one of the best. I put him and Nick Willis in the same sort of category yeah. in terms of just how and almost Jacob Ingebrigtsen, the young fella who's just he just seems to have that. Yeah, they've got. I don't know if it's it's definitely uh, some aspect of it is learned, but it's obviously mm-hmm. an innate thing and um it, it comes naturally to them. But it definitely, it can be learned. It's just. That's one of the things I think you learn from – you're not going to learn from just sitting around and thinking about it. You've got to actually go and practice it and race it. And I think that's – you get to race a lot in college if you want. And some some people race too much and that's yeah. – you know, you see the problems with that. But if you're at the right place with the right coach and stuff, you get a lot of chances to sort of hone your craft. And yeah. I think that's one of the biggest things is – and it's hard because there's just not as many people in Australia. So you're always going to run into that trouble. But, yeah, that's one of the – I think the depth and just the quality of races that you can find week in, week out and it's – we struggle with how big Australia is. If we've got a track classic on in Perth, not everyone from Melbourne is going to want to pay to fly over there, whereas you know, you've got races all up and down the east coast of America, and if you're not on the east coast, you're on the west coast, and there's you know five or six meets on, meets on in a weekend. So mm. it's a bit easier to travel and find a good race, whereas sometimes you have to travel a bit further in Australia, which makes it tough. Yeah, and that's a good point, man. It's a good point. Um, on the subject of finance and uh, you know just the prize money and the lack thereof in Australia, I notice you're, you're not running around in any particular brand at the moment what's what's the story there yeah no i'm just yeah buying my shoes at the moment but um how is that possible what what's going on there i don't understand that uh it's just i guess it's a tough it's a tough world to make it that is the most ridiculous thing i've ever heard yeah i mean which has got nothing to do with you obviously but it's just it seems crazy to me from an australian perspective that a bloke running your times is is not fully looked after like yeah a 13, 17, an Olympian, like any other. This is what frustrates me about athletics sometimes, man. And it's just, I don't mean to be too harsh on Athletics Australia. Um, but at the same time, it's like, I mean, you've got a bloke running 13, 17 um, in the current form that you're in, and he's running around in a club singlet without a bloody big paycheck coming in next to the name. I just, uh, have you had have you had uh, brands reaching out to you lately? or? Yeah, I'll hopefully try to figure something out pretty soon. I don't want to like say too much, but yeah, I mean, I've sure. been training with Luke and Liz, so... Um... Yeah, trying to figure some things out in the future, but I will say, I mean, yeah, I've run thirteen seventeen, but it's been a it's been a little bit of time since I've run that well. Um, I put up a really solid time that was sort of twenty seventeen and twenty eighteen. I was a bit a bit off, and then last year I sort of got injured earlier in the year, so I didn't have quite as good of the results. And it's it's tough, man. It's um it's not just me. There's plenty of other people who are doing it harder than I am. Uh-huh. Um, so I don't know. I've, yeah, I'd love to have a, a big contract in my name and get paid yeah. a good bit of money, but at the same time, it's you know, I just turned twenty eight like a couple of weeks ago and. Um, I'm not in it. I'm not in this sport for the money, like anymore. It's just you know, it, it obviously helps. It makes it, things a hell of a lot easier when you can finance everything yourself, and um, it's always a challenge, sort of figuring that out, figuring that out as a runner, and you end up sometimes maybe taking on things that you probably shouldn't, like worrying about doing races for a bit of cash when it might not be a part of the training plan. But at the same time, like um, you know, foregoing that chance to make money or have a job, like have a proper job, and sort of be done with running. Like I'm at the stage now where. I'm in a pretty good headspace and I'm enjoying it. Yes. And um, it's, I'm pretty fit at the moment. It's obviously easy to say when things are going well, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, I'm just, I just want to sort of get the best out of myself. I know sort of towards the end of last year, I was speaking to someone um, and I just uh, was sort of, well, it's probably middle of last year, I'd say, sort of figuring out if I wanted to keep doing this. And it was obviously easy being drawn in by the fact that the Olympics are on this year. But at the same time, I just sort of came to the realization like, when are you going to get that chance ever again in your life? You know, you might find something, but to physically like challenge yourself and really push yourself um, to sort of places you're not sure you can go. Uh, and so that was something that sort of kept me wanting to keep going. And yeah, it's been nice sort of the last few months just to sort of progress and sort of get back to that level of fitness. And um, 
I'm probably someone that gets a bit hard on myself and, you know, doesn't think I'm in as good a shape as I might be and takes a, takes a good bit of time for me, like I said, with the consistency to sort of be like, all right, now it's coming together. Um, so to be in that position again where I'm sort of looking forward to races and sort of trying to figure out where I can go and let one rip, um, yeah, it's good to be back in that sort of spot. So, I mean, the, the finance and the sponsorship and stuff like that, it's, it's obviously something that I hope I can figure out pretty soon or yeah, like have sure. something on board. But at the end of the day, it's, it's not about... You know, I'm not too worried. If, if I can show up to the start line healthy and fit, I don't care if I have to pay for a few pairs of shoes. Yeah, sure. Well, that's a credit to you. But it's just, I think it's something that it stood out to, to me and Matty Williams, who we do the podcast with. He actually, he, he told me that, that he wanted me to ask you what was going on there. Because I watched you at the Vic Champs the other day run one of the one of the best races I've seen. Like, I know it probably wasn't the final result that you wanted, but the way you ran screamed, like, just the form that you're in. Um, and I thought, mate, the fact that this bloke, who's a bloody good chance to be running around again at second Olympics, is is running a club single, it just uh, it just it pisses me off so much. I was looking at it, going, mate, like if if anyone, I know there's a lot of talk about doing it for the love of the sport and stuff like that. It's easy for me to vent because I'm outside of the sport now, and you probably run more efficiently and stuff based on the fact that you don't let it stress you. But I think if uh, if I'm glad to say that uh, I, I know I know Luke is looked after with Under Armour and stuff, and if you get a foot in the door, they're, they're an American based. Company. Yeah, that'd be an American sponsorship if you could do something like that, which is a better a better deal than we offer most of the time in Australia, anyways. And I think Luke uh, Jordan Guzman just signed up with Adidas. Yeah, so he's um, with Adidas out in Timian and that. And so, I mean, that was like you say, uh, the American system. It's one of those things is where if you're over there and you're you've got a bit of pull over there, or you've got you know some, I guess if you're a well known athlete over there, it's going to help you. And so I think that was probably one of the best moves Jordan made was going over there and being part of that Tin Man group. Um, They've obviously got a bit of popularity about them and a lot of people know them, especially that like high school, young college kind of scene and that's great for them. They they hit their market and they know what they're doing, which is good. Um, but I think, yeah, for someone like Jordan, he's I've watched him come up and he's I think a couple, maybe one or two years younger than me, but he's been around for a while now and he was sort of on that domestic scene of just hunting races, mm-hmm. racing a lot, running a lot of road races, getting the money to pay for this, to pay for that and he probably didn't have his best results over in Europe or overseas when he needed them because, you know, he spent a lot of time in that build-up phase, having a race, a lot of those races that might not have been the best thing for him. And, yeah, I think he's he's won a race over in America already and then came third at Milrose in the 3K the other day. So, yeah. I mean, he's now he's running for Malta, which is also another great opportunity for him. And I think um, it's just – it's it's not um, anyone in Australia's fault per se kind of thing. It's just it's just the way that – I guess it's just the way the cookie crumbles in the sense that we're a much smaller market and mm-hmm. it's just – these businesses are massive corporations. Like they're out to make it. They're not worried about um, any personal, like any one person. It's a it's a business for them, and they've got a bottom line to to fill. Um, so yeah, I, I guess like I said, I try not to get too too cut up about it. But at the same time, like I don't, I wouldn't. I'm not going to sit here and say I'm the only one. Like there's people running faster than me sure. that are sponsored, and people have done a lot better things than I have, and aren't making any money out of it. So it's just yeah, it's it's easy. Um, to get to waste too much time and energy thinking point. about it, but yeah, it is at the same time, it would be nice, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, also, okay, so watch this space, yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, I will be watching this space. Um, so you're training with, with Lukey Matthews, and sorry, what's his mum's name, Mel? Liz, oh, Liz, yeah, Liz yeah Matthews, so yeah. yeah, it's a it's they're on the rise, the old Matthews group, actually, yeah, I think, um, I think, uh, what's it called? What's that vegan documentary? Oh, Game Changers, Game Changers, yeah, I reckon, <laughs> yeah, that's put you, put you under the spotlight a little bit as well. I don't know if that's true, but um. I was pretty excited to see her face on the cover of, on the cover of that documentary. I was like, I'm pretty sure she's a Melbourne girl. Yeah, she is. Yeah, Morgan. Uh, she um, stepped up to the 800 last year, and she's re- nearly ready to go sub two minutes. I think this year, um, and she should, yeah, say she's almost a lock to make it to Tokyo on the 800, which is pretty impressive given that she started running the event this time last year, just about. So, um, yeah, it's been really good. It's a pretty small group. I mean, Liz coaches a lot of younger kids that are sort of coming up and. A lot of high school athletes and stuff like that so it's a bit of a different um setup than i'm used to but at the same time it's, there's enough really good quality around enough sort of younger guys um on the edge that are sort of there at training so it's good fun i've, I've enjoyed it um i think i like that sort of um like consistency and just sort of having um a plan like a lot of last year i was training with luke but liz wasn't coaching me and i was just sort of making it up with like luke was probably having more of a say in training than liz was for me and we were sort of, sort of making things up at the start of the week and like, oh, I'll do this part of your session, then I'll do this. And um, as much as we probably thought it worked or it was manageable and I had, you know, some good sessions and that, I just lacked the consistency. Mm. So 
once I got back from Europe this year, Liz sort of said, hey, I think it's best if I take over. And it was pretty easy to see that that was the best option. And um, it's been really good. She's been, uh, oh, she's, I've known Liz for a long time now, um, just because I ran with Luke at, as soon as I came out of college, we were in the same team, uh, or MTC. So yeah, she's she's a good coach. And I think everyone sort of thinks, oh, it's Luke's mom's coaching him. But it's not. She's her own, she's her own person, her own right. She's, she's got a good record. Um, I think, you know, it's hard to compete with someone when they're like, there's only probably like three or four of us who are that, at that level. Like three of us have made the Olympics before, so she's got some good quality athletes. But it's um, it's not the same as when you've got like fifteen or twenty Olympian or elite athletes in a group, and you can sort of see like with a Bowman or something like that. Like that's yeah. an insane group, and they they've got a lot of good athletes. So if one or two of them are injured, it doesn't really matter because you've still got twelve or thirteen put that results. But um, yeah, I think with you know the way Morgan ran last year, that sort of opened a lot of people's eyes up and said, hang on, I think she knows what she's doing and she definitely does. And I, I think that's the hardest part in coaching is sort of getting that respect, one, from your peers and two, from everyone else who might be thinking, oh, um, maybe I should start running with that group or like maybe yeah. that's an option for me. So it's cool. Yeah, awesome. So what, what inspired the move to, to run with Luki? Did you know him well before you started training with him? Because I know you were with MTC for a while, weren't you? Yeah. Like, yeah, like the, from an outsider's perspective, you look at the quality of that group and you go, of course, like if you're a distance runner, you'd be a part of that. Um, so when did you decide to move away from MTC and, and get involved with Liz? Yeah, so we, me and Luke actually left pretty pretty similar time in, in sort of uh, around World Champs in 2017. Um, and then I was sort of over in America trying to figure a, th- a few things out over there. Um, I've tried to sort of wanted to try and base over there. Um, and so that was a lot of sort of end of 2017, 2018 for me. But it was just tough to like um getting into american group without being american like it's yeah you know it's unless and i wasn't i'd run all right in 2017 but 2018 i didn't run that well i didn't make com games so there was no other major championships in that um i sort of started running a few more 15s and miles um as opposed to the 5k just for a bit of fun just because i felt like that was something i wanted to do yeah um and then yeah so after i guess middle of 2019 like things were going okay and then i sort of faded out the season just lacked that base um got home and sort of said you know i need i need some structure like i need someone telling me what to do and like that accountability of a coach and um yeah that's what's i've known luke since i sort of came out of college we started at mtc together in 2015 we've been great mates so we um spent a lot of time with him we've shared a lot of rooms and a lot of apartments and that um but no he's a great guy and he's He's so good to have around, so I'm pretty happy to be yeah training the group. Yeah, awesome, man. No, that's really good. Uh, yeah, we had him on the podcast. I, I spoke to you before we started, but uh, I think he was the first official guest on the the Relax Running podcast. And mate, he was he's one of those blokes. He's he's just an enjoyable like yourself, enjoyable bloke to have a, have a chat with because you can. It's just like a you just scratch the surface, and you know that there's a whole lot of wisdom and information that uh, that can come flooding out. And I, yeah, I enjoyed. I have to get him back on actually because. Uh, um, it's been a little while between drinks, but there's so mate, I've, I've, I didn't realize honestly until we started doing the podcast just how many Australian athletes there there really were, like high quality Australian athletes. I think you're episode 25, and uh, it continually blows my mind at the just the level of athlete that we that we get on here. Like as you say, there's there's some serious talent. It's just about sort of harnessing it and nurturing it and sending it in the right direction. Um, mate, I was going to ask you a little bit. Uh, are you working at all on the side of? You're running uh, a little or? bit. I try to help out my dad a bit. He's a builder, so it's do a bit of labouring for him. Oh, dear. Too, but saying that, it's pretty tough um, trying to fit running in when you stand on your feet all day. So how do you do that? It was yeah. interesting. I, I, don't, I don't do too much to be fair. I shouldn't yeah. say I'm working a heap, but yeah, every now and then I'll do a few days' work just to mm. make a bit of money um, here and there. But yeah, it's not. I'm not ideal. <laughs> yeah, no. I was talking to to Ben Buckingham last week, and it's a really popular episode. And I think one of the reasons was he's he's pretty much a full time lawyer. I think he's working four days a week. Yeah. And that's just unheard of. For, so, well, maybe not in the running scene, but I think a lot of people who are in the elite running scene, they're looking and thinking, oh, man, is it really possible for me to be able to train to run a marathon or something? I think people like that are really inspired by yeah. um, a, a bloke like that. So just to hear about I, I loved how simply he explained it. He's like, all right, when I'm in Europe, I run twice. When I'm in Australia, I run once. And uh, it, it really struck, stuck out to me. I thought, fire out. Well, he's doing it at this level and he's, you know, he's eyeing off an Olympic an yeah. Olympic place. There's a, a lot of inspiration for for other people, but building would be a it'd be a tough gig. I've, yeah. I've been on my feet a couple of times in the hospitality scene um, back in like 2008, 2009 when I was still racing a lot. I remember there was plenty of nights where I would I would knock off like an eight or nine hour shift. But mate, I've still got. I'm supposed to run an hour, but I'm just yeah. <laughs> I'm dead. Yeah, the, the afternoon the runs are tough. Yeah, yeah. a couple of days, a few weeks ago, I was threshold in the morning at Princess Park, and then out 
around here in Hawthorne um, doing some labor and then that, like it was one of those, it was right in the middle of summer, so it was like 30 odd degrees or so and I was just standing there like, oh, done like a 10K threshold and now I'm painting like, ripping stuff up. I was like, I'm ready to pass out. Like, yeah. this is way worse than any session I've done. But um, in saying that, I'm lucky where I don't have to, I haven't done too much of that. So, I mean, and it's for dad, so he knows what I've got to train and so he's yeah. really thoughtful and I'm thankful for that. Um, so if I've got races and stuff coming up, he knows I'm not going to be working, which is good. Yeah, yeah. What are you interested in doing? Like, uh, you know, not too soon, hopefully, but once you do get out of the sport, yeah. What did you study at Villanova? Yeah, I studied uh, maths and economics. So yeah. that was, um, yeah, something that interests me a bit. Um, I was relatively good at it, so it sort of came naturally, I guess, in that sense. But um, I picked up a, or in the middle of doing a Master's of Finance at the moment online, um, just for something... I guess to sort of have on my back pocket because I sort of finished college in 2015 and now it's what five four and a half years since then so didn't want to be you know showing up for a job interview saying I haven't looked at a book in that long so um, yeah that's something that I've been working on uh, the past couple of years and it keeps me busy especially when I'm traveling and even when I'm back home so um, at least it keeps the brain ticking over in that sense that you know you've got something else outside of running um, sometimes it's good sometimes it's bad like sometimes i'm so overstudying and i yeah. realize that i've been doing it for a long time and yeah so i think like we we're just talking about bikes i think there's you sort of reach a point where in the past being completely focused on running and that being everything in your day-to-day might have been the best thing for you but i think i'm sort of getting to that age where um i would like to have like two or three days of work a week so mm-hmm. you know this year uh, it's going to be sort of tough i'll try and figure it out um when i'm back from my overseas stint this year but I mean, ideally, like, you know, towards the end of the next end of this year, I'm sort of stepping up, maybe getting on the roads a little bit, which is probably a bit more conducive to um, being like working lifestyle when you're just sort of plugging in a lot of Ks and not having to get on the track too much or travel overseas for these European track meets and stuff uh-huh. like that. Um, well, up towards the marathon, you think? Oh, I don't know if I can step up that quickly. <laughs> but, um, yeah, well, I wouldn't mind doing a half marathon at some point awesome, in the next yeah. sort of year or so. I mean, Sweet. everyone does it. I at least get one in while these shoes are still legal. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I've done it. Ran, the, ran the 10K in and I've started to do a few sessions in and I'm convinced like, they're really good. So, really? Yeah. Man, it's so funny. So obviously um, I'm planning on running a couple of marathons this year. I think that could be the difference between 250 and 245 for me. But what, what is it about it? Like what do you – just from a, a feel perspective, what is it that feels so good about it? Um, I think – oh, there's all the science behind it. Just for those who are new. Yeah, I think the biggest thing for me about. is um, – Oh, the, like the next percent, I bought a pair for Zatapak and yeah. I didn't even like do I did a stride in them before the race and I was like, oh, they're pretty comfy. Um, <laughs> but like I've run 3Ks or 5Ks in spikes, my feet are cut up and it's like you're in a race and you notice and your feet get sore and like I don't reckon I felt anything on my feet. Um, like that was so cushioned but I was still like rolling forward and felt like I could move pretty quick in them and I've done a few sessions in them and can dip under 60 seconds or 400 in them. So like it's not like you're – destined to run slow in them um or like run it you can only run at slow paces like i think the way that um the shoe technology is getting these days and it's not just nike i think a lot of the other brands are working on it too it's like you know it's definitely a performance enhancer and it's it's all like i guess for now i don't don't really know but it's, it's legal in that sense but it's um yeah it's pretty cool i mean they're just for me the biggest thing was the comfort and to know that like if i'm running 10k on a track if my feet start hurting 4k in like it's going to distract you um and so i don't think i thought about my feet once during the race it's so strange um, to me because they look so chunky don't yeah. you think like they look at them i thought they just look like a jogging shoe um yeah. i've never tried a model done a stride them or anything so I, I have no idea what they feel like but um it still impresses me that he, to hear a bloke like you say you can cruise around sub 60 without too much drama yeah yeah i remember oh this would have been when they first went for the sub to our marathon one of the guys i was training with Carlos birmingham uh-huh. he paced it and he came back from italy and had the pair of them, like the first ones ever made. And I tried them on in the house, and he's like, oh, you can wear it. We're the same size shoe. So he was like, oh, you can wear them for one of the sessions around Bushy Park if you want. And I was like, nah, don't worry about it. And now I'm thinking, man, I wish I had a warning for that early because I would have been taken – I would have done way more races in them by now. Um, so I was a late coming to the party there. But, yeah, it's, it's cool. It's, it's, I think it's bringing – honestly, that one of the bigger things is it's bringing a lot of, like, people are reading about it and like, uh-huh. from outside the sport and like, oh, what's going on here? So, you know, it's a – I guess somewhat negative that they might be getting banned or like there's something fishy about them, but um, or that's not legal. But at the same time, it's like any publicity is good publicity for this sport. It's so true, and for Nike, mate, they'd be so happy with oh, yeah. uh, what they've achieved the last couple of years. It's uh, it's been mind blowing. Just that I was at a I can't remember I was at a dinner or something a couple of nights after Kip Joge got around in under two, and one of my mates who's just overweight and has no interest in sport thought, hey, what do you, said to me, hey, what do you think about the uh, 
the sub two run. I go, mate, what are you talking about? Like, how did you know about that? Yeah. So I thought, okay, if this is a, any representation of the general public, there's going to be a lot of attention coming into the sport. Yeah, Did you, you, you mentioned before that you're, are you heading overseas pretty soon? Yeah, yeah, I'll go over after um, Nationals and March, so probably around the start of April, I'll head over to Flagstaff. Oh, um, yeah, nice. Get a bit of altitude in before racing a 5K at yeah. Stanford, yeah. And how long will you spend over in the States? Um, sort of not too sure, yeah. I'd definitely be there from, I guess, the start of April until maybe the middle of May, and then it's just sort of whether where do I go after that, um, maybe either over to Europe or potentially back home and sort of getting some more base training. Just depends how the races go on, the results, and sort of where the season's at, but... Yeah, every chance it's a standard year of, you know, over to America for like five or six weeks, one or two races, and then over to Europe for a few more races and sort of go from there. So, yeah, I'm not someone that puts, oh, I guess I plan things out a bit, but I'm not too worried about, you know, six months from now, I sort of just look at things like when's my next block of training and what race have I got lined up, and then I'll go from there. Like, I th- every time I think about, you know, a race 12 months from now, I just end up messing it up. So I yeah, try not really, to get too, yeah. get too caught up on those things. Yeah, no, interesting, man. Um, and you're obviously on off the 5K for Tokyo. Yeah, yeah, the 5K is probably the. Geez, in 2016, it was it. There was depth, but it wasn't. There wasn't this much depth, so it's going to be a really tough event to make. Um, so who is that? You got you, Stu, like a Paddy Tiernan. Yeah, there's. I mean, uh, Paddy Tiernan, Morgan McDonald, Dave McNeil, Jack Bruce, <laughs> yeah. Matt Ramson's throwing his hat in the ring now. Yeah. He came second the other day. Stewie's or Stewie's a lock. He's won won the race the other day. So. That's one spot taken. I mean, it would have been tough to for for three people to run better than him this year, anyway. Oh, but um, yeah, I mean, Morgan's fresh out of college and he's a super talented runner. I know him pretty well, um, and obviously, I ran at college with Pat. I know how good he is. So um, it's going to be a really tough team to make. But I mean, I've said this in the past that like I want, I would rather have at a, like rather have a distance event in Australia where it's really hard to make a team because I know yeah. three guys that make that team are going to be competitive. And I think I was watching Doha last year. Um, and it was disappointing having not run well much last year and not making that team. But I went into that thinking, I think all three of these guys can make the final. And obviously only one made it, but two of them were pretty close to it. And it's like if we get to a point where we can get three distance runners in any distance final, that's a huge win for anyone in Australia. Like whether that's me competing in it or like three guys I know or I'm friends with, that's that's a huge win. Yeah, man, that's so true. But we'll wrap it up in a couple of minutes. But I wanted to ask you, the, the audience would be disgusted at me if I didn't speak to you briefly about uh, – the Vic 5K champs the other day. How many uh, how many 5K races have you run where you've chucked in a 59 with five laps to go? Uh, none. <laughs> yeah, that was, I don't know, I guess I didn't really know how the race was going to play out. I, I sort of had my ideas and I was actually, wouldn't mind if there was a bit of pace early and just sort of figured I was pretty fit and I was a bit stronger than some of the other boys in the race. But we went out slower than the girls for the first K and I was actually still deciding before the race if I was going to wear spikes or the next percent um, and luckily I put on spikes because after we ran a few 72s I was like I'm going to have to run a bit faster here towards the end so um, that was a one good decision I made and then yeah the next one was I guess around 3k I sort of realized I knew Stu wasn't going to leave it too late and um, yeah I was just in front of him and then he sort of come around and jumped on the back and to be honest that that first lap I didn't know what we were running and like I didn't know until I think the next day or two that we went sort of 59 60 and like someone had said after the race oh you went through the K in 231 232 and I was like oh it's not bad I guess that's why I started blowing up (laughs) um so yeah it was a good race um I guess I was pretty disappointed to not get second given that I sort of went on the back of Stu and um but at the same time like I don't know that's I've never really raced like that before but um I guess it shows I'm pretty confident with where I'm at. Um, the training's been going well and it's it was one of those – it was a race where, you know, first place was everything. Mm-hmm. It was um, a, a ticket to the Olympics kind of thing. And so if I had a sat back there, I might not have even come second anyway, but yeah. would have just been sitting there watching Stewie get away with it. Um, and in the end, he won anyway. He won pretty easily. But, um, yeah, I had a few people reach out and say I was, like, really impressed with the way oh, you ran mate, it. I watched it. I, was, I, couldn't, I honestly was mind-blowing. The thing I said on the podcast yesterday was uh, – I think going into that race, there there wasn't enough talk about you know the form that you were in, and I think people were shocked to see you go with it. But it didn't shock me that much because I'd seen you in a couple of races, um, and I, I thought that Stewie, despite despite how good his form has been the last couple of months, it's always different when you when you step up to a track and you're um, the favourite to win a race, but you have got a couple of people chomping on your heels. You really have to nail it. So I thought, fire it like I, well, Jordy Jordy Guzman proved it last year. Like yeah, you can't go out and have a bad day. So when I saw you stick on the the page, and it wasn't like you hit a lap and then it was blow up. It was you were there for three and a bit laps, three and a half even. Wasn't yeah, it? probably three. I think I was just oh, maybe just after a chaos started dropping a little bit, but um, yeah, 
Yeah, he was, I mean, Stewie's a phenomenal athlete oh. and like it's unbelievable. But I think that's the best thing about it was like I walked away and I thought, I mean, there's been times in the past where you watch these big races and you say, man, I want to be in that. And so um, to have an opportunity to race someone like Stu and like everyone knows now that he's a top eight competitor in the world. Like yeah. he's going to be one of the better 5K distance runners this year and 3K or 10K. I mean, he's just run the Australian record. So to get an opportunity to try and, you know, match it with someone like that. Like I've been in races in the past where Mo Farah's in the race and um, probably wasn't in like a 3K in London a few years back and came 11th but ran a PB and I just remember walking away thinking, oh, it's, even though I ran a PB, it sucks getting your ass kicked or not being in the race. Mm-hmm. Um, so to just, I mean, it was easy to get, I got towed around for a K and a half. He was the one that was leading it. So um, uh, all credit to him. And I think, I mean, I think he ran 503 or something that's, for his last yeah, 2K. Exactly. That's ridiculous, isn't Probably it? one of the top three or four times in Australia. <laughs> that's on the back of a 3K first. So um, no, it was cool. I was pretty happy with it because it's not something I've done in the past. And um, yeah, I'm probably going to approach more races with that mindset of just sort of giving it a real crack. And um I mean, I guess if you throw enough of it at the wall, eventually something's going to stick. So, I mean, the fitness is there and I've trained really well last week on the back of that race. And I think as Liz said, you know, you, you didn't get the result you wanted tonight, but it was a good performance and um, it'll probably bring me on a lot, which is, which I think what it will do is um, one, just give me the confidence to say that like, hey, as good as, as Stewie is, like I've beaten him before and I mean, uh-huh. don't know if I'll get back to <laughs> beating him consistently, but um, you're never going to know if unless you sort of throw yourself in there. So... Yeah, I'll, I'll keep giving it a crack and um, yeah, hopefully run a few more quick times this year. Well, I know if I was uh, running your shoes at the moment, I'd be going to Europe, licking my lips. But uh, no, I'm excited for you, mate. Mate, thank you so much. I'm glad we finally got a chance to sit down and record. It's been, it's been really good. I'd love to touch base with you when you get back from Europe. And, uh, mate, best of luck over there. I'm, I'm excited to see what happens. Yeah, no worries. It's been good. Thanks awesome. a lot. No worries. Thank you.